Unfortunately, fall for the third straight time, this time against the Cincinnati Bengals in what was a all-over-the-place game. Uh, I'm interested in getting into the conversation and talking about this game with all of you. Uh, so welcome to the show. I appreciate you all coming through and joining me for this reaction show. Uh, Jay Hill says Joe B was the best on the field. Joe Burrow looked pretty good today. You know, and I thought the 49ers did a, a good job at the beginning of the second half of starting to take away some of the easy throws that he had. But let's be honest, Joe Burrow in the first half took exactly uh, what the 49ers were giving him and, and took advantage of it. Uh, and he he was very good, 21 of 23 in that process. Two touchdowns, uh, some really, really good throws. And the 49ers defense struggled a little bit early. But then there was a long lull before those touchdowns came the Cincinnati Bengals' way. In fact, uh, after the first quarter, that you know, 49ers defense stiffened up a little bit, but uh, it was tough sledding for the 49ers all day long. They had too many mistakes on offense. Um, you know, the defense just wasn't being as good as they could. And, you know, we're going to we're gonna go through these. So um, Daryl says, can't blame the D for this loss. Purdy had a ton of turnovers. I think the defense early was a problem, but I definitely think they got it figured out and they played much better in the second half. And Brock Purdy had some very unfortunate turnovers. Those back-to-back -back throws, the one inside the red zone was very unfortunate. Uh, that's just a mistake. And Brock Purdy's going to have to wear it because 49 yards were inside the five-yard line, prime position to score a touchdown. That would have tied the game. And with the way the defense was playing at that point, they would have had a really good opportunity to win. And so I think that was a pivotal interception. And then the very next drive, you go ahead and you turn over the football again and just a errant throw, a bad look for Brock Purdy, and it's too much. And the, this team right now is playing at a level that's not good enough to be able to overcome turnovers, let alone you know those two big turnovers in a critical situation, including one in the red zone. The Bengals had one in the red zone too, but uh, time was ticking on them, and so that was a very pivotal one. But I do think the defense has to worry some of this because early on success for – uh, the Bengals offense definitely got the, the ball rolling there. I think Brock Purdy's going to have to wear you know, what he did and the, and the problems that he had, but the defense has to carry some of that as well. David Campbell says, is it too early to talk about being sellers at the deadline with the, the, the crying, laughing face there? Uh, we all know the, the case with that, right? I mean, the 49ers were buyers last year at 3-5 and five or 3-4. and four. They're definitely going to be buyers in this situation. I think they're going to look for something to tip the scales in their direction. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a tough loss overall. And that's exactly what Joel is saying here. This game was rough, too many mistakes. And that's the key right now. It's missed tackles. It's, uh, you know, turning the football over it's penalties in critical junctions right now. There's a disconnect between, you know, having the right call from the coaches and the execution that's going on in the field. And I think, you know, these, the 49ers are going to have to circle the wagons and regroup during 
the uh, offseason or during the bye week because they're going to have to figure this thing out. I have to do something real quick, guys, as far as uh, a quick little thing here for um, for Bet Online. So the, the last of the major pro sports leagues kick off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With Major League Baseball postseason, NFL, and college football and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today and get in on the action. Don't forget to use your promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I don't want to miss anything that's coming through because I, I do want uh, your guys' voices to be heard. And Lusa's aunt, I'm so sad. Don't know how they recover. Well, I think they can, and, and here's why. Because we've just seen situations in 2021 and 2022 where the 49ers had their backs against the wall. In 2022, it was coming off a big loss to Kansas City uh, where they give up 45 points. How are they possibly going to come back? And they reel off 10 straight. So because I've seen the makeup of this team and the leadership that are involved, it's definitely a possibility. I also have to take into account that the 49ers are about to have two all-pro players returning in Trent Williams and Debo Samuel, and that should help the offense. It'll help the run game. It'll help the attention to all the other players. That is for sure. So I do think that that is going to help some, but we definitely got to limit turnovers. We got to limit mistakes. The defense is going to have to play tougher. Does that mean John Lynch goes out and makes a big move this time on the defensive side of the ball? Maybe gets an edge rusher or a cornerback that hopefully tips the scales the 49ers direction. I think that's what we're going to have to monitor over the next 48 hours because uh, the clock is, is, is ticking on the 49ers turning this thing around. But they do have a bye week coming at the right time, and I think the 49ers are going to try to take, a, take advantage of it. So do I think the season is over or how you know or that they can't recover? No. Uh, I definitely think you can recover from this. I've seen too many teams that have lulls or struggles in the middle of the season and are able to turn it on when, when the time comes and get it done. So they need to get it done quickly. You can't lose at Jacksonville and go four straight uh, losses. That will put you in a bad situation. But right now you're a half game out in the West. You've won both matchups in the NFC West, so you have that going for you. And the Seahawks are 1-1. One one. So you know if you win those games versus the Seahawks, you beat the NFC West, you have a good opportunity to win your division and be a top-four seed. So it's not like out of the picture, but definitely this is troublesome. They have to recover. They have to play better. Uh, but it's not over yet. Uh, Roberto says, uh, Wilk's defensive scheme has been solved. I think it is kind of been this way since the beginning of the season where if you have a quarterback that's elite caliber as far as accuracy, uh, they can definitely make it difficult on the 49ers in the first half. And then once Steve Wilkes adjusts, that's when they have an opportunity, right? Well, now you're going against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and the weapons that they have, and it was just very difficult for the 49ers to hold up. But let's be honest, once again, the 49ers' offense gave a short field that caused a touchdown. And you can't allow those turnovers to happen. Part of the reason the Forgers were so good in the first five weeks was they didn't turn over the football. And now that they are turning over the football at a high clip, that puts the defense in pressure situations. But do I think Steve Wilkes needs to make some adjustments? Yes. Is this common in the NFL for a defense or an offense that starts out really good to get somewhat figured out? 
yes, the necessary adjustments come because once you have four films on a team, four game films, that's when you really get used to tendencies, how they play certain things, and then you got to start to adjust. So the film is definitely out on Wilkes. How is this defense going to address those problems? I think that's the big scheme, but you're right. They figured it out to a point. That is for sure. David Campbell says, it seems that both lines have been losing during the last three games. I think you're correct. Uh, I, I definitely think that this has been a problem on the offensive line for sure. They've been having some issues without Trent Williams there. I thought Jalen Moore held up really good until the very end of the game, but Brock Purdy's been navigating through the pocket, getting loose, uh, making throws on the run, scrambling and getting yards. I, I think that Brock Purdy makes it look a little bit easier than it is, um, but they're definitely not capable of running the football effectively right now, and they've got to figure out why. Google account says, am I crazy, Ant? No Debo, no Williams, five and three. I'm not worried until we're out of the playoffs. I, I, I think you're, I, I don't think you're crazy because you're right. When you're missing two all pro players on the offensive side of the ball and the 49ers are, are so driven by their athletes that they have surrounding Brock Purdy, I think it's huge uh, because it, it does change the entire game for everyone. When you have Trent Williams playing left tackle, you don't worry about Trent Williams on that left side. He's one-on-one. -on -one, and then everyone else can give help, and everyone gets help. So remember that when you're when you're thinking about Trent Williams is where what he does for the rest of the offensive line as far as chipping, helping, and all of that. And with Debo, he gets so much attention by opposing defenses that he just gets your eyes going a different direction. They can't put full focus on McCaffrey, so it opens things up both ways. Uh, so I think those guys are very pivotal to 49ers success. Well, let's just be honest. With those two players, the 49ers average over 30 points a game. Without those two players, they average 17 points a game. So could it be that those players are that pivotal? It could. We've also seen uh, ineffectiveness from Brock Purdy. We've seen some turnovers for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe they don't go um, you know, the way you want. So potentially those are big reasons. But I'm not like over-the-top worried yet. I'm getting concerned. I think concern is a real possibility because you don't want to continue this slide uh, but there's you don't have to get full-fledged worried. And we have a super chat from Bobo. Thanks so much, Bobo, for the super chat. How can you go from 5-0 to this? Unacceptable. Uh, definitely no one wants to go this route. I mean, nobody expected the 49ers to lose these three matchups. If you would have told me we lost the Bengals one, I probably would have understood that because the Bengals are a, a good football team with weapons. And, you know, anytime you're going against elite quarterback with elite weapons, you have the potential uh, to lose the football game. But losing at Cleveland and losing at Minnesota were definitely shockers. And the 49ers can't afford to have these type of slides. What you have to do, though, is not allow this to define your season. And a lot of times teams can fall into quicksand and they can let situations like this define their season where the whole season just flies away and floats away. But I think if they can really just bear down and weather the storm and get some wins coming out of the bye, they'll be right back where they want to be. Uh, you're still two games over 500. you You're still a half game out of the NFC West. You're still sitting in the playoff picture. It's not out of realm of possibilities that you can still make that Super Bowl push and run that you want to have. It just became more difficult. Luckily, the 49ers did get off to the 5-0 start. If not, uh, we would have some real, real concerns right now, uh, wouldn't we? Um, so I do think you don't want to have those types of situations and those kinds of losses. Um, but for real, it, it makes it more difficult. Um, 
And David Campbell says right here, you know, tackling has been pathetic. Uh, uh, Will's seat is pretty warm right now. Um, we'll see if Steve Wilkes' seat is warm. You know, I mean, we've had the same things happen with D'Amico Ryans. We've seen the same things happen with Robert Sala. Defensive struggles led to conversations about replacement. I don't know where that would go. Um, I think right now he's not on the hot seat, but I think it's getting attention. That's for sure. And Bobo said, I'm still faithful, but this team is a joke, 100% fraud. You spent so much money, and this is the product Kyle displays. Unacceptable. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think that people are really upset and in their, you know, and in their feels about this for sure. Um, you know, and the 49ers haven't really given us anything to be optimistic about over the last three weeks. So I definitely understand the feel uh, that Bobo has and says, you know, I'm still faithful, but. And, and I think that right now people are lo- looking at the team critically. They're realizing that there are some flaws and some things that they need to work, whether that's schematically with Steve Wilkes uh, or overall with personnel. Maybe you need another edge rusher. So I do think that it's legitimate to look at these uh, situations and, and come back and find you know, solutions. And they're going to have time to find solutions right now. Hopefully it's going to get players healthy. And I, I think that this is uh, – Wow, Jay Hill. Are, are you kidding? Jay Hill says more likely after the buy. Say, oh, you're asking a question. Okay, I didn't see a question mark. Sam starts and Wilkes loses play calling. I don't think either one is likely, to be honest with you. Um, I think Brock Purdy's still the guy, and I don't think they're going to switch at this point in the season. Um, that would be later on in the year where potentially they would make a move like that. And I don't think they're taking the play calling away from Steve Wilkes. Who are you giving this, the play calling to? I just I don't think those are realistic right now. And I don't think the defense in like Cleveland, for instance, played bad. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't that great against the run. He had the bad mistake against Minnesota. Uh, but I think that you know tackling and things like that can fall as much on the position coach as it can the defensive coordinator. Um, so I, I don't think either one of those are likely right now. I think we're a little bit further away from you know where that would be an actual realistic possibility. Uh, Loose has combination of problems with the team mentally. They need to focus. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something you can say is true. I think they're trying to win these football games. That's one thing that I never questioned is effort. Uh, they're definitely trying, but right now they're in a bit of bad luck where uh, the execution's not there. And then when they do make a play, um, something else happens. So they haven't been able to put it all together. But with all things, if you can get it figured out, then that's when you're going to have a real chance to make a big play. Uh, Josh says Kyle is very defensive on his on on his presser. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. This is what you're going to do. You're going to rally the troops. Uh, so at all the all the negative that comes their way, they're going to use it uh, to kind of pull in and circle the wagons. And it's going to be an us versus them mentality. Um, so I think that those things are always something that you do in these type of situations. And, and Mike says Bosa couldn't set the edge, ran right past him. Yeah, that was a, a question. In fact, Josh was you know over there on the PSF app. Me and Mark Adams were doing our, our live uh, conversation about the game as it was happening. And, you know, that was one thing we saw. And I, I don't know on that last play of the touchdown if Bosa was supposed to have the inside gap or supposed to have outside contain. He's supposed to have outside contain. He definitely missed on it. If he's supposed to have inside, then it was on Lenore and Oliver on the outside. But you're right. I mean, the outside contain was a problem in this game, whether it was Mike Jackson, uh, whether it was Nick Bosa, the 49ers have to be able to set a solid edge. And if you can't, you're not going to be able to stop the run. Uh, and WTM is saying, give us Darnold. I never thought in my wildest dreams uh, that I would hear 49er fans saying, give us Darnold. 
But in the same regard, they did the same thing about uh, David Carr. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. I don't know if you're serious or what, but either either way, it gave me a chuckle that comment. Um, Roberto says going cheap on offensive line and cornerback is coming back to bite them in the butt. You know, I, I think that that's something that I've heard. I just heard that on a radio show somewhere. They were talking about that exact point. Uh, but this has been the 49ers way is they go cheaper on offensive line and cornerback. You have to have a give somewhere. But realistically, they haven't given up or they haven't went too cheap at corner, right? They paid Charverius Ward uh, pretty top money. They paid Isaiah Oliver decent money for a nickel corner. Uh, so they haven't really went cheap in that area. On the other side of the ball, they're willing to pay Jake Brendel uh, free agent money to, to come in. They, they pay Trent Williams, the drafted second-round pick in Aaron Banks. That's spending, you know, quality caliber there. There has to be some give and take. And I think the 49ers have found that they've been able to kind of use this exact model to get to a Super Bowl already. Uh, so it's a try-and-true method as long as they can execute. And so uh, you're right, though. That is definitely a criticism on this team is the fact that they, you know, can't consistently go ahead and, um, you know, execute on the back end and with the offensive line. And Bobo says the run game struggles because genius Kyle refuses to use Mason. And when that guy plays, he looked amazing. Uh, I don't know exactly why. I can only speculate why that Jordan Mason doesn't play more. Uh, my thought process on it is Jordan Mason is makes the offense more one-dimensional uh, because when he's out there, he's not as good in pass protection. I know that's been a concern of the 49ers. And he doesn't catch the ball very good out of the backfield. And I think they gave him a couple opportunities. He succeeded on one. Another one, he ran, had a choice route, and he ran the wrong route. And I think those types of things always get in Kyle's crawl. Uh, so I don't know exactly why he's not playing, but I do know that the running back coaches have some liberty there as far as getting guys in unless Kyle tells them, I absolutely want this guy in the game. So that means Anthony Lynn and Bobby Turner are the ones deciding you know, who's going to go in there and play. And so we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I, I definitely have heard a lot of calls for Jordan Mason. Those are my only speculations as to why he's not playing. He did look good in his carries. Uh, it's just, you know, something they're going to have to figure out. And Roberto says, is Bosa injured? Uh, not to my knowledge. I haven't seen anything about Bosa potentially being injured. So, uh, no, I haven't seen that. Jan says, is the whole team injured physically and mentally? Um, no. I, I think we do have guys dealing with injuries. Of course, we know Drake Greenlaw is moving a little bit slower. I think this is coming at a good time for him to possibly you know, get some rest and relaxation for that hamstring. He hasn't looked the same, that's for sure. Uh, Mr. Corey's in the house. Mr. Corey says, team not as deep as I thought it was. Well, well I think there are certain positions that it's become clear they're not as deep. You know, I think edge rusher, uh, they're not as deep as we thought they were. They've added Randy Gregory and still don't have the necessary depth, because when they go to their full rotation, I mean, as soon as Drake Jackson got in the game, they ran right at him twice, uh, once with a jet sweep and another with a toss. Both of them yielded very good uh, gains on the play. So I have concerns there. They go one-on-one -on -one when he's out there. So they have to address the edge rush department in some category. They did it with Randy Gregory. He's not playing a lot of snaps. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to figure out, but you're right. There are some areas. I think they're deep at linebacker still. Um, you know, and I think there are other positions they got some depth as well. Um, but it, it's tough. And Jan says losing to Cleveland was definitely ball. Uh, defense. 
maybe that. Uh, I don't know exactly what you were saying, Jan, there, but uh, Josh says Kyle is not happy with the defense throwing darts at him in the presser. Well, he's he has always been one, and I believe him and John Lynch do send messages through the media pretty pretty heavily, and so he's not against it. That is for sure. Uh, Mr. Corey says, what weapons does Cincinnati have outside Burrow and Chase? Mixon was trashed before today. Well, they have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. Uh, those guys are pretty good weapons, and um, they consistently win. So, yeah, I mean, Mixon, he hasn't been a factor this year, but uh, whenever you're having to pay as much attention to Burrow and Chase, it's going to open things up for Boyd and Higgins. They had some you know, clutch catches. Uh, Boyd with a touchdown in the back of the end zone. So I think those are legitimate options and guys that you have to play worried about. So just remember that. Uh, Josh says, too many chunk plays on first and second down for the Bengals. Uh, average over seven yards. That is too much. And I feel like there were opportunities to limit those chunk plays. You know, as simple as just good tackling, whether that was Talano Fongo or Trey Greenlaw uh, or others missing tackles, that was definitely a concern. So we heard Steve Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan both talking about in the pressers over the last couple of weeks, you know, getting the basics, the uh, going back to making the, the right plays. And I think that's still a concern and something they need to work on for sure. Uh, Hugo says sometimes not get, uh, something's not get, jiving on offense. Still got CMC and Kittle and BA and Juice. What about Kyle's play calling? Well, here's the interesting thing, right? Kittle and BA both went over 100 yards receiving in this game. And that's before it really got to to junk time like they were having good games at one point when it was a seven point game and the 49ers were on their drive Kittle had 99 and BA had 73 on three catches uh so I think that that they were definitely getting it going there uh with juice there hasn't been as much effectiveness with juice uh, but those two guys definitely were there um with Kyle's play calling I mean I think there's opportunities for plays but, I mean, when you dial up a play in the red zone and the quarterback gets the ball batted and intercepted right there with a wide-open receiver, I don't know how you call it play calling. Um, I think that there were other opportunities in the game, too, where lack of execution hurt, and it's that's what's going on. B.A. dropped a, a open pass. Uh, George Kittle was dropping passes. So there are some opportunities there that are not being executed on. I mean, I'm sure there are plays during the game uh, that Kyle Shanahan would love to have back that are bad calls. I can't tell you those for sure uh, until I go through the All-22 because that's when I can actually see the field. That's one of the t toughest things is seeing what coverage it is and things. Um, but, I mean, are there some bad calls? I'm sure there are. There's no way you can call a perfect game and only score 17 points. Uh, but I think there's enough opportunities for the team to make plays, and I'm not sure they're really getting it all going. So, oh, what's up, Michael? Michael's in the house. Michael Humphrey says, I'm here, coach. This loss is on Kyle, period. He has to use more than Ayuk, Kittle, and McCaffrey. Use Bell, Jennings, Mason, others. If they dress, use them. I'm sure this is going to be you know, an interesting thing because uh, Josh had actually said in the PSF app that you know where is the second wide receiver? And, of course, the second wide receiver for this would have been Jennings or uh, Ray Ray McLeod. I only seen Ronnie Bell really on the – on the field like one time and that was on a run play a toss play to Christian McCaffrey so I, I think that there are some limitations with Ronnie Bell as far as blocking and I think that's been a big concern for him this year uh, so I think that's limited his playing time but we've seen him make plays in the passing game as far as the others I don't know why Juwan Jennings and Ray Ray weren't more involved in the in the game plan I actually thought Ray Ray was going to be a big part of this game plan I actually picked him to score a touchdown in this game 
because I thought he could have some effectiveness in screens, getting rid of the football quickly, take the pressure off of your offensive line, but he really wasn't a part of it. So um, I'm not sure. You know, I talked about Mason earlier. I'm not exactly sure. Kyle, you know, and those guys are the only reason, you know, only ones who really know why they're not playing. I can only tell you what I saw on film. Ronnie Bell struggles sometimes as far as run blocking. Jordan Mason struggles sometimes as far as pass blocking. Uh, but I don't know if that's enough to keep them off the field, depending on you know what what defense they're going against. But I think those are always you know things you we wonder. Hey, why aren't these guys playing? They did roll with Elijah Mitchell. It worked to some success. I'll gotta give credit to Elijah Mitchell. Christian McCaffrey's touchdown run. Elijah Mitchell ran a wham block. It was a great block. Him one on one with the defensive end, and he won. Uh, give him credit for that. But yeah, I, I get it. I think they're legitimate questions and. Anytime that you're not winning and you're not executing at a high level, the questions become even more valid. Mr. Corey says, if Wilkes isn't on the hot seat now, then when? They, they have to lose five in a row? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's, this is the largest output he gave up all season. So I think this is the one you know, that's going to be the most critical. Uh, but the offense also turned the football over three times. And anytime that happens, you know that the you know the opposing offense, especially with Joe Burrow, is going to have the opportunity to score. So uh, I don't know. People always want guys on the hot seat right away. I don't think the hot seat's a legitimate thing until you're just really struggling and there's that disconnect between uh, you and the head coach. Uh, so we'll see. I don't think it's there yet, but, I mean, you're right. If he lost a couple more games, then, yeah, maybe the hot seat would be there. David Campbell says Bengals had zero penalties until two minutes left in the game. I thought the refs missed a face mask on Purdy. It was interesting. I, I kind of pointed out that it gave me, you know, Dolphins versus Eagles vibes uh, where you just have one team that's kind of getting, you know, more more of the calls than the other. But um, I don't know. I didn't see very many calls where I was like, wow, you know, the Bengals should have got a penalty on that. I do remember that one where the face mask was grabbed. It was very slight. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it, Bengals played a very clean game. And um, they did, didn't really have any issues. So um, it's, it just seems like they played a well-rounded, positive, effective game. And I just, I mean, besides that one, I can't really think of very many penalties that I saw uh, that weren't called. So, yeah, I, I don't know. 49ers had some. I thought some of them were ticky-tack on the Niners. But uh, when the Niners play physical, that's kind of how it is. Uh, Sole says, Brock Purdy is still the man, just needs to trade for Sertan and let Oliver go. Yeah, Oliver's one of the most interesting ones because I think that uh, a lot of people are not happy with Isaiah Oliver because, you know, the, the touchdowns over the top and things like that. I thought the first one was great coverage on Tyler Boyd. It's just a, a brilliant pass. I think what's interesting is how good Isaiah Oliver is in run fits. And today he was tasked with being out there the entire time. And he goes out there and he makes tackle after tackle after tackle, and he looks good. And in that area, he's better than even a guy like Jimmy Ward. I think the concerns are in the passing game. But if you get Patrick Sertan, is Diomo Lenore going to be as good in the run game? I don't know. Uh, and that was one of the reasons Sam Womack didn't play nickel. So it's something they got to figure out. I'm not saying the answer uh, is Sertan or isn't, uh, but we'll see. And Josh says, and I don't believe adding a piece or pieces is going to make much of a difference. Seems like a coaching problem on this team. Well, I'll say this. I mean, last year, you probably could have said the same thing. The 49ers had a losing record, had lost to Atlanta, um, didn't really look good. They, they Lots of question marks. Uh, they add Christian McCaffrey. They lose to Kansas City. Everyone's like, oh, man, you just gave away a 2, 3, 4, and a future 5. 
uh, for McCaffrey. He's not going to make a difference, and the 49ers win 10 straight. So you don't know, and it all depends on the caliber of player you add. If you have one deficiency, let's say it's edge rusher, for instance, you have a deficiency where in one-on-ones he's not winning, and then all of a sudden you add a playmaker off the edge that can win on one-on-ones one -on -ones, and he starts winning, well, then that frees up somebody else. And then it's a trickle-down effect. It makes it better for your back end. Uh, so I do believe one player can make a huge difference on a team. When you have 11 and one is deficient, you're basically out there playing you know, 10 on 11. All of a sudden you get a guy that's a, a, uh, a needle mover, and it can make a huge impact. So um, I do think adding players is always important, um, but I, 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 can't, I can't take this serious. Uh, Jan, are you being serious right now? Bring in Tomasula for D coordinator? Come on. No freaking way. Uh, there's lots of D coordinators out there that I'd rather have than, than uh, Tomasula. I don't even want Tomasula to be my defensive line coach, to be honest. Sakori says Javon Hargrave is stealing money. Uh, no, I think you need to watch the film, Sakori. I mean, is he having the overall effectiveness that you want? Uh, he has three and a half sacks on the season uh, from an interior offensive or interior defensive line that produced three all season last year. So our Hargrave, three and a half sack. Armstead just had two sacks in this game. But they're double-teaming Hargrave at an alarming rate. And that's part of the reason why I say you need another edge, edge defender opposite of Bosa that can win. I'm hoping, I was hoping it was going to be Gregory, but I think they might have to be somebody else that helps with Gregory being a part of a rotation. Um, but until then, Hargrave's not going to get one-on-ones. And let's be honest, he's a defensive tackle. Uh, you need one-on-ones to be able to win. Double teams are tough to win. And right now, that's what they're doing. They're double-teaming Hargrave. They're saying, Armstead, you're one-on-one. -on -one. Go win. Cleveland Farrell, Randy Gregory, Ray, uh, Drake Jackson, you're one-on-one. -on -one. Go win. And Hargrave and both are getting the general amounts of the attention. So Roberto says Oliver got burned multiple times. Yeah, he did. He got burned. I, I don't know. I, I still don't call the first one a burn. I mean, he's right there. Good coverage. That's tight. That's just a great throw. You got to give him credit. The second one, he tried to jump the screen. He got burned. That's legit. Have no problems with it. Uh, he, he, he peeked in the back or peeked down there to try to stop the screen and he got smoked. That, that, that happened. Uh, absolutely. So it does happen. Um, Sandoval, or Frank says, uh, Shanahan losing the locker room. His vision is not unfolding. Um, I don't know. You think he's lost the locker room? I mean, is, is that what people think that he lost the locker room? I don't think that's the case. Um, maybe at some point, you know, that, that could be a possibility. I don't think he has yet. David Campbell says Jennings holding penalty killed a promising drive. Yeah, that was a tough one for sure. Uh, some of the penalties have been going, you know, bad for the four yards, holding penalties on an offensive lineman. Spencer Burford gets a lot of holding penalties. Uh, Jawan Jennings, you know, penalty there. So I do think that those things, um, you know, ha have been tough. And I think penalties right now have been critical on the 49ers, both offensively and defensively. Um, those have been tough google accounts says let's keep our heads up guys last two years around this time we were in a worse position with worse records we'll be okay yeah i mean i remember sitting here in 2021 and everyone was telling me you know that i was over the top i was i was an idiot uh no way the four yards can make the playoffs uh they're they're terrible they're washed they're done shanahan's done um D'Amico's not it and i was sitting here going hey all we have to do is make the playoffs that's it uh, all we have to do is make the playoffs, and it gives us a chance. And I'm definitely not giving up on this football team. I've seen enough good play in the first five weeks. I've seen hints of good play over the last three weeks, even though there's been struggles. 
They do they got to right the ship? Absolutely. Uh, but there are teams out there with more optimism than the 49ers who are, you know, playing at a four and four record. It's just, you know, kind of how it is. So we do have to kind of stay with it. And Josh says, got a dangerous Jaguars team in two weeks on the road. You're right. That, that game's not going to be easy. And the 49ers know that. But they're going to come out with, you know, a, a optimism. They got to come out with all the work that they put in. And they've got to travel across the country and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. But let's be honest. You know, that's when it gets real. If you're not able to beat Jacksonville, then, you know, you're probably not in a good position to win a Super Bowl this year. But they're going to come out full, uh, you know, full guns blazing and looking to get that done. Um, Mr. Corey says they didn't go cheap on corner, but O-line, yes, and they wonder why they can't keep a quarterback healthy. Yeah, I think the arguments about, you know, offensive line as far as pricing is definitely right, right? They've tried to go the, the draft and develop direction uh, Aaron Banks, who had a very good start to the season, I think has had you know some hiccups since he got hurt. Um, I, I definitely think you know he's had some struggles. Spencer Burford hasn't been the player they thought he was going to round into this year. They might need to you know figure something out. Can they get Daniel Brunskill out of Tennessee? I think I would be willing to make that phone call with Rand Carthon. Um, but you're right. I mean, right now they haven't paid a lot. Colton McKivitz is cheap at right tackle. They couldn't afford to pay Mike McGlinchey what he was supposed to get paid. That's for sure. They couldn't afford to pay Lincoln Tomlinson. In fact, the Jets uh, fan base wants Lincoln Tomlinson gone. The Denver Broncos, they want Mike McGlinchey gone. So I, I do think the 49ers haven't paid the offensive line besides Trent Williams a lot. They paid Jake Brendel a little. Uh, if you're going to say that there's a position they skimped on, it's offensive line. You're right. I think they believe with Chris Furster that he could develop them. He's done a pretty good job of developing players uh, so far. And we had so much promise about those guards, Banks and Burford. And maybe they'll still figure it out. You know, maybe there's enough time. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Roberto says Mason is in the doghouse. My only question is how did he get in the doghouse? I mean, minus it being, like I said, the pass protection and the you know missed uh, route running a couple of times. Uh, I just don't know how else. He hasn't put the ball on the ground, which has been good. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly uh, that it, it is a little puzzling. I'll, I'll be honest. I just don't know. Uh, Jan says a lot of money all around. Okay. This team and nobody is producing guess is true. They flutter out after getting paid. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that there's a lot of money going around, but some of these players are still making plays. I mean, all pro Fred got paid and he's still all pro Fred. I mean, that dude is still, you know, a freaking beast. Um, you know, and I'm not mad about Hargrave's sack numbers. Would I like it to get to double digits? Yes. Are we almost halfway through the season? Yes, right? We got nine games left. So would I like it to be five? Yeah. I mean, last year he had 11 sacks. So when you look at it overall, I mean, if he has a couple two-sack games in the remaining part of the season, there's a potential for him to get up there again. Uh, so I, I do think it looks ominous. Right now, to quote, you know, some of the movies, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, dark and ominous right now. Uh, but I think they can figure this thing out. I don't, I don't think it's over uh, at all. Josh says offensive line wasn't an issue today. I think they, they equated themselves pretty well. They played pretty well. I think we're not getting the movement in the run game that I would like uh, play by play. But I thought they held up pretty good. And then, you know, Jalen Moore is out there on an island. Hendrickson, I thought he did a good job. I would like to give credit to Brock Purdy for his movement in the pocket, his escapability, uh, creating outside the pocket. I Brock Purdy doing Brock Purdy things. So even though he did have the really bad mistakes as far as turning over the football, 
Uh, some of those things are good. Or we used to have problems with Brock only wanting to spin to the left. Now he's able to climb the pocket, move the pocket, run, scramble. Uh, so you see some of the development there. So you got to take positives where there's lots of negatives and just try to continue to build on those. Uh, Charles said, what's the score? Well, the, the 49ers lost. Uh, 49ers lost 31-17, Charles. I don't know if you didn't get to watch the game, um, but that's what happened. David says, also, it looked like Moody almost missed the extra point late in the game and in kickoffs in the actual strategy. Seems like they gave up field position in that. Yes, so the the extra point, that one was close. I'm going to – I don't know what else to say about it. It was. Uh, and as far as the kickoffs being strategy, yes. So Brian Snyder, one of the reasons they wanted Jake Moody was he's really good at getting hang time on his kickoffs. So they want directional kicks that hang up there about 4.3 seconds, which is Moody's average. Uh, you want it to land right around the goal line or the one-yard line, and you're directional kicking them so you can pin a team back uh, beyond, you know, beyond the 20. So uh, that's what you're trying to do, make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, it's had mixed results. You know, Last week against Minnesota, it was pretty effective. George Odom and some of the special teamers had great coverage, but this week it didn't work. That first touchdown, you know, they had the directional kick. It did not work out. Good field position for the Bengals. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that that method that Brian Schneider's employing, you know, you're netting what five, six yards. If you do it exactly right. I mean, I guess that could be huge, uh, but I think kicking it out of the end zone, making them go 75 yards. is probably the most comfortable way to go about playing special teams. But yeah, that's, that's what they're asking them to do right now. It's kind of interesting. And, and Frank says trade for somebody who knows the offense and the locker room could rally around someone they could believe in. Even if Kyle can't, Jimmy G. They're not trading for Jimmy G. But I like that Frank's staying on that, uh, right? If you're going to stay on it, stay on it. Bobo says, after three INTs in the game and five INTs in two games, shouldn't Purdy be in the doghouse too? He's going to get there quick. You know, I, I do believe he's going to he's gonna start rubbing Kyle the wrong way if he doesn't start consistently not making these plays. Uh, you can allow ones here or there, but consistent turnovers – can't have it so i think that when it comes down to it you're right um it's gonna eventually wear on on kyle and that's with anyone's ineffectiveness eventually it wears on him so do i think the four years have given up on brock no uh do i think that kyle shannon is frustrated yes uh but we'll see what happens when they get debo back and what that means for spacing in the offense because debo was providing a lot of spacing that was making it easier for Brock Purdy to have more open windows to throw the football because Debo was running exit motion. Uh, Debo just takes eyes away from other people. So I think that's always a possibility. And thank you so much, Donnie, for the subscription. Welcome to the 49ers Cutback crew. Uh, 49ers Faithful Forever, Josh, says a lot of hidden yards given up on our kickoffs. I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's something I've been arguing for a while. And, you know, that's one of the things you, you see all the time and you're just – you're just like, why? You know, why Why is that net six yards or five yards you could possibly get? Um, and, you know, David Campbell brings this up. Oliver getting beat twice on fade route is a concern. Gave up two tutties. Uh, you're right. You know, and here's the thing. That's a weakness in the defense. This defense, if you if you think back, what was K1 Williams' weakness when he played the nickel? Fade route. What was Jimmy Ward's weakness when he played the nickel? Fade route. What is Isaiah Oliver's weakness playing? fade route the way that they have to play as far as scheme it puts them in a disadvantage on the fade route uh so 
you know, I'm not sure if you put an elite nickel corner in the slot, if they'd be able to stop it with how they have to play as far as their leverage. Uh, but you know what I mean? It, it's difficult. And those are plays you can't afford to give up, but we've seen it with every single nickel. And it didn't matter if it was K1 Williams who was small and fast or Jimmy Ward, who was more of a safety you know, type player, but that is definitely uh, something that you see out there. Master any crafts says Kyle really called bad plays. In my opinion, you have to run the ball. It, it, yeah. I mean, you want to be effective on the ground. You want to run the ball. It would make it a lot easier to be effective and running the ball if you're not down. And I think that's a real problem too. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I think, I think Kyle would admit that, you know, he wants to be able to run the football a lot. Kyle would love to have full balance within this offense. Um, it's with all things. I think they're, we're going to watch the film and we're going to come back and we're going to say, yeah, there was a couple plays here or there that Kyle wished he had back. And then there's going to be some that are lack of execution because sometimes you don't run the ball effectively because somebody didn't make their block or somebody didn't execute. And that happens far too many times. Uh, Master Any Crafts says, I don't blame it all on Purdy. It just seems like not establishing the run is killing them. Purdy led the team in rushing. Um, I don't put it all on Purdy. And I don't put it all on any one person. And this is a team loss. Uh, but Purdy does have to wear some of it uh, because you just can't make throws like he made in the middle of the field on that second interception in particular. If you want to talk about the other one, maybe you didn't see the defender. But this one, I mean, the defender was right in the middle of the field. That was a big mistake. So do I put it all on Brock? No. Uh, do I put? Do I think a lot of the team has to wear this? Absolutely. Uh, when you're talking football, the team has to, you know, wear a lot of the problems. So um, I think it's important. And, you know, and this is what I've seen a lot. Mr. Corey shares kind of a lot of the sentiments of 49er fans. And Kyle doesn't play any running back other than McCaffrey. Just ridiculous. Well, I think that's, you know, one of the things that is tough is what do you do if you don't have Debo? You need McCaffrey on the field. Uh, so if you pull McCaffrey out, you have one less weapon. So, yeah, I mean, if you bring in Jordan Mason, and I like Jordan Mason, and he's one of the best as far as, you know, getting yards after contact, then what happens is the other team doesn't have to worry about him as far as catching the football. So they pay more attention to George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, they single up everyone else, and it just makes it more difficult. With McCaffrey on the field, at least there's a legitimate option that they have to focus on. And I think that's one of the things that they – they've really had problems with. And that's why you haven't seen Jordan Mason, I think. Uh, just like I said, just speculating over the last two weeks compared to Cleveland. Cleveland's game plan was built around having Debo out there. The last two weeks, it hasn't. So it's tough, though. I mean, I, I know everyone wants to see these other guys, uh, but I think a lot of it has to do you know, with the fact that these guys, um, you know, that you're missing Debo. And I, I, do, I do think Debo has a huge effect on everything that happens for the Niners. Bubba said, if I was Ronnie Bell, Mason Mitchell, and TP, I'd demand a trade. You're not going to play me. Let me get a chance somewhere else. Um, I mean, yeah, they could. I mean, they could, could they could demand a trade. Um, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know why the 49ers would even listen to anything that the, those guys say. Uh, I mean, what would you get for him? And why would the 49ers have any upside of trading them? Uh, Ronnie Bell, you know, I mean, he was a seventh round pick. He had a couple catches. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, Mason, he showed some things. I'm, I'm sure there would be some teams interested in Mason, uh, and Mitchell as well. Uh, but Mi Mitchell can't stay healthy TDP. You know, I mean, he hasn't done enough. Um, I don't know. I mean, they could do it. They could ask for a trade. I don't think it'd be 
I don't think it would be uh, accepted. Jay always says long season ant, not worried yet. I think I think that's where I'm at, um, and I think that's the the key. You know, is you just you just got to keep hanging in there. Felt five and three. Luckily, it's a winning record. They started out the season strong, and this is one of the reasons it was pivotal to start the season season strong. Uh, so that way, if you did go into a lull, you weren't sitting in a three and five situation, but a five and three situation. Hugo says, "Come on down, Chase Young." Yeah, and I'm interested, Hugo. Would you rather have Chase Young or Montez Sweat? Josh says, just don't see how a defensive line of Armstead, Bosa, Hargrave don't get home. Yeah, so it's been very creative. So when I've been breaking down the All-22 on Patreon, uh, they've been chipping Bosa. They've been giving help with running backs. And a lot of times what they do is they pick their poison as far as singling up. Most of the time they single up the edge opposite of Bosa, but occasionally they'll single up Armstead or Hargrave depending on situation. And they have to win. But for the most part, they take those two guys away. Uh, they, they'll they give extra help. But you're right. I mean, you would think that those guys would be able to win. Uh, but when you're going against doubles and pass situations and the opposing offensive quarterbacks getting rid of the football in 2.4 seconds, not a long time for you to be able to get home. Um, so, I mean, yeah. Roman Luna, how's it going, Roman? Says, I kept saying it all week, sit Purdy and play Darnold. Steve Wilkes did exactly that. Uh, Wilt, what happened to the, his more aggressive defense? He's predictable, dated, go back to Carolina. Well, I think what's interested, interesting about your, your statement about the more aggressive defense um, is, yeah, I think he showed, he tried to show that aggressiveness against Minnesota and it backfired. And I think that that's one thing he's having to deal with, and he talked about that a little bit in his presser, is this is a different type of defense, right? You kind of just rely on your playmakers to make plays, and you don't always dial it up. So I think he is having like a little bit of push and pull from what he wants to do and what is expected out of this defense. And I don't know where they find the happy medium between the two, uh, but I get what you're saying, you know, and, and maybe they should have sat Purdy. I think they were just looking for the best opportunity, opportunity, uh, you know, to to potentially, you know, get Brock Purdy out there for a win. And why is Merklin says, "Hey ho, Steve Wilkes has got to go." Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going anytime soon. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, maybe, you know, and and Michael saying, you know, Purdy shouldn't have been out there. Maybe that's correct. I don't know that for sure. You know, I mean. I think he passed through concussion protocol quickly. I also don't know what his baseline was. I don't know what the level of concussion was. Um, you know, he practiced this week. It's not like he didn't. He was a full go in practice on Friday. You know, I mean, he looked good early in the game. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Mr. Corey says Chase Young. So uh, there's, I, I've seen both. People are saying Chase Young. People are saying Montez Sweat. I was just curious what people are saying. Josh says they doubled Hargrave and left Bosa one-on-one a lot in this game. You're right, they did. And that's the thing. Hargrave is getting a lot of negative attention because he's the newest uh, you know, free agent signing. But he has been garnishing so many double teams this year. Um, I mean, really has. And so that, that's that been tough for him. And when he gets one-on-ones, he either backs his guy up into the quarterback or he gets some pressure. It's, it's unfortunate. And uh, Jan says they can't double team everyone. Actually, they can. Minnesota Vikings were running max protect. They were keeping, they were sending two guys in routes and keeping everyone in and double teaming the entire 49ers defensive line. So yes, they can. And then they ran a dagger concept and won on the backside against the 49ers defensive backs. So 
Yes, they can. They were doing it with running backs, tight ends. Last week, they got checked by uh, tight ends all day long in Minnesota. I'm telling you, they are making sure the 49ers defensive front does not beat them, whether it's with blocking, with multiple blockers, or in situations where they just get rid of the football quickly. It's been a combination of both. It is very good. And Josh says right here, uh, the team is still a very, very good team, just a bad patch. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Jan says hat and a chair won't help in deeper waters. Oh, it's freaking funny. Uh, Mr. Corey says, we're beating Jacksonville, got the Browns and Bengals off by weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to beat Jacksonville, get back on track. You know, you're going to have Trent, you're going to have Debo. We'll see what the 49ers do as far as trade deadline. Trade deadline is Tuesday, Halloween. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what they're going to be uh, getting done there. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can get, you know, done as far as the trade deadline. Michael says we are losing because Debo and Trent are not leading the team out with the boom box. They're, Michael figured it out. We got no swag. We got no energy from the boom box. Uh, that's what it is, right? Uh, I do think that, that was hilarious, by the way, Michael. I love that. Uh, I do think that Debo's effectiveness as far as, and this is something that uh, Mark Adams from the Foreigners Camel brought up on the PSF app, the physicality and energy that Debo brings with his plays, uh, definitely they're missing. So, And I think I seen someone earlier in chat say that Trent Williams counts for two. Uh, I love that. Jan says McCaffrey and Ayuk, only ones really bringing it. Uh, I thought Kittle brought it. You know, I thought Kittle had a great game today. I know he had a couple of drops, but I thought Kittle had a really good game. They were getting him down the seam. Brock Purdy, they had that, uh, they run that lurk. So they'll bring that safety into that intermediate part, try to take away the crosser. And he was throwing right over the top of him. Great throws. Uh, when you have those split safeties and you get that one that drops down in that lurk or uh, robber type concept to go over the top, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, Kittle was, was getting some separation there. Phil, what's up? Says came in a little late, but I haven't heard uh, heard to talk about Bosa. Uh, Bosa, I think that there were opportunities today for him to get one-on-one -on -one wins. Uh, I think right now he's coming up short, and not quite getting home in time, and we haven't got to marry that that unit right where a secondary does a good job at the same time the defensive line get, does a good job and they get home. But I also thought Joe Burrow did a good job escaping today. So do I think Bosa could improve a little bit? Yes. Uh, I think he needs to be a lot better. And maybe maybe coming out of the bye week, that'll do it. I do think it'll help if they get another pass rusher opposite of Bosa. Josh says, red zone turnovers, penalties, and poor performance on third downs. Pretty clear to me, uh, right? These are the things I talk about all the time. Win the, win the turnover battle, win third down uh, conversion rate on offense and defense. And you're, you're going to have a really good chance to win the football game. But you throw in red zone, and that's a big part as well. Google Accounts says, when we were 5-0, and oh, I heard ESPN commenters say they were peaking too early. Any thoughts on that comment? Uh, no, I don't think you peak too early in a season. I think that there's always uh, ebbs and flows through a season. I think sometimes you can go and you can just storm through it, but there's always going to be rough patches. The question is, can you win in those rough games? The 49ers haven't been able to win these three games that were really rough, right? The, uh, the first two were one-score games that they had really good chances to win. And this one, they had a chance to tie it up at the end of the third quarter, and they had a huge mistake, got it within seven again. They're just not able to get over the hump. So I think that it's okay that it happened right now. It's better it happened now than maybe right before the playoffs happen where they get figured out. So they have enough time to right the ship and figure this thing out. 
So I don't think that's a thing. Uh, just through my history, uh, I mean, I don't think you ever like peak too early because you get plenty of time to adjust. That's for sure. Uh, Josh says Kyle really dogged the defense his entire presser. It's going to be an interesting week. It's going to be an interesting week. Uh, Hugo G says Chase Young. So thanks for answering, Hugo. Really appreciate you coming through with that. Um, let's see. Mr. Corey says Chase Young over Montez Sweat, but wouldn't be mad at getting sweat. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and Jan says, are the 49ers, are the Niners not who we thought they were? I think they are. I think they're still that team. I just think they've got they're hitting a rough patch. You have seasons, you hit you hit patches where you struggle, and you've got to overcome those. Uh, we we talk about some of the greatest teams in 49ers history, and they lost football games, right? I mean, um, we've seen teams go on absolute struggles on offense or defense. It happens, uh, but they got to figure it out, and uh, that's what Hugo's saying here. Well, two weeks to figure it out. See you all in Jacks. I think that's. A fair statement. Josh says, don't have the depth. I thought we did. Uh, I think at some positions, that's absolutely the truth. Uh, there are definitely spots, you know, where they don't have. Um, <laughs> I like Jay Ellie says he's behind, but he says dark and ominous tones. Uh, love that you got the reference there. Um, Jan says, thought division matters more. It does. It's overall record first, like Josh says. So it's going to be your overall record than your division record. Foreigners go undefeated in the NFC West. Guess what? They're going to win the NFC West. Uh, so things are still going to be figured out. They're going to have a tough stretch there in December when they go Eagles. They're going to have Seahawks at Thanksgiving, then the Eagles December 3rd, and then Seahawks again. That's going to be a stretch that could provide us a lot of clarity on the NFC West, the playoff picture, and the 49ers. So we got a long way to go football. Nine games left in the regular season. The big games, tough games. You know, we don't know what the 49ers record is going to end up being. We do know they have three losses. Are they going to go 14 and three? We don't know. Are they going to go 10 and seven? We don't know. Uh, but the thing is, they're going to go out there and compete. And right now, they're still sitting in a situation with only a half game out of the West. I didn't want them to be a half game out of the West. I wanted them to put some distance between one of them competing for that number one seed. But it's a long season, and we'll see uh, where they get to on all that. But guys, I'm going to go ahead and check out. I really appreciate you all got all coming through. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.